All right, the creative team of Shrapnel, uh, a really interesting film out of Seattle. Uh, creative team is Liel and uh, Tony. Uh, it's fantasy with a lot of action, uh, kind of a film about loneliness as well. The guys, this is such a really high production value, nice production design. I'm curious, did you you guys, when did you guys kind of meet, collaborate on writing this script originally? Me, Tony, do you want to take this one? Or All right. Uh, well, we uh, co-founded a company called All Is Well, which uh, is based here in Seattle. It's a film production studio or film studio, really. Um, and we make movies for all types of people. And we were hit up by this company called Neon Machine, who has a video game coming out uh, shortly, I believe. Right, Tony? Uh, I mean, video games. I mean, video the, game it, schedule. It's coming soon. Shortly can mean three years in video game world. So I have no idea. Yeah. Right. So they asked us to imagine a story that would take place in this world that they developed there where the game did not exist yet. Uh, but they wanted an imagination of what a story could take place in one of the corners of these worlds and asked us to write a film for it. And this is the film we wrote. That's amazing. And this is, the, I guess, people think that this some this is what happens in Seattle. Uh, uh, is this common? Like video game developers come come to independent filmmakers to make films? Yeah. Highly uncommon, I think. I haven't really seen anything <laughs> else like it. It felt yeah. very special. Like we were getting to do something extremely cool and unusual. Uh, but it's a it's a you know blockchain based crypto game first person shooter. But one of the one of the uh, aspects of that is that they have a lot of players that they are trying to get to invest early because it's very community-based. So they're really interested in creating stories. Like I think they're working on comics. Uh, a lot of... Some, I think they've already released a bunch of... They've released comics. them? I should yeah. read them. Yeah. But yeah, they've, they've essentially worked really hard on building this world outside of the game that is very story-driven and story-based. Um, and this was one aspect of it. Uh, and we got to do some pretty cool stuff with it. So what we, we did started, they give you, like, in terms of uh, guidelines, length, like, production value, production budget? What was the guidelines that you guys had? What were the guidelines that we had? Well, I mean, it was nice because they had, when we started writing the film, well, first of all, we started all as well as, as an attempt to do exactly this kind of work. We want to make films. We want to make feature films and short films, experimental mm -hmm. films. We also do a lot of commercial production and we really were targeting the sweet spot where someone has an intellectual property that wants sort of untethered um, narrative content just to sell their brand. Video games are a really great uh, place for that to happen, but especially ones that are really have really deep world building. I mean, we were just on a podcast where I think they talked about The Last of Us as much as they talked about our our, our film just because it's such an, an example of, of how successful it is yeah uh, so what was great about um writing it is we knew when it took place and we knew generally the economy and uh and social structure of the world we were writing it in and we knew that um there were these archetypal characters that they wanted to represent so we picked one of them actually we picked two of them we picked the 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 team-based player versus the the lone wolf maker manufacturer person and so we had some nice story pillars to work within but but they were still pretty broad like we had a few stories that were much louder and much more insane mm -hmm. um, and those became episode two and three which we hope to write and direct in the future 
Um, gotcha. But this one, the, the parameters were um, pretty set, except for the things that they hadn't invented yet. There was a lot of stuff in the game that, like even like huge story beats that they hadn't uh, they hadn't locked down yet, and were getting invented as we were writing. So there were certain aspects of it that was kind of in flux, and the writing I think helped them really test a lot of their game theories because we put it into film world, which you know when we were in pre-production you gotta you gotta pick it and go and so there was a lot of like really nice collaboration with neon machine about the world but we are the 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 writing was basically like tell a cool story that fits in this world and that's what we did and so in terms of like yeah because it's kind of interesting that what you just described because the first episode is really about this character and you kind of kept it like not simple but you kept it kind of like in the in the vacuum of the one character then we're seeing the world through kind of her point of view i guess right you're introducing the world through through her eyes i guess exactly no and a lot of the first kind of installment that we we went through was how do we introduce the world um and we picked this character and we're like all right we're gonna see the world through their eyes like this is and the nice thing about that too is when you're doing a world building episode with constraints like hey the game hasn't been fully developed yet <laughs> yeah. you're only going to see the world that this one character can see um so- which i think is a more fun way to do world building anyway um it's like what does this world look like in the corner of this tiny rv versus if you walk through this crazy metropolitan bustling city and there's everything you know that's one way to do it but it's i love seeing hints of things in everyday objects of like oh this is not I don't think this is where we are currently right now. Um, and that's more what we were going for with this one. Yeah. It also well, the, metaphor, the metaphor of oh. having someone who looks at the world through a sniper scope versus a 12 inch stare of someone who's like constantly on the move. Like right. Leah, Leah's character is, is an observer, right? So as, an, yeah. as a first episode, it was a really good device to take somebody through the outskirts of everything, but never putting them directly in the middle of anything so episode two three four five six seven if they happen (laughs) so you guys have written up to seven you just said episode seven is you've written up the episode (laughs) i wish no uh we've we've got outlines for episode two and three and if uh if this ends up being something that neon machine wants to pursue we're listen we're ready to go yeah (laughs) There's an outline in my head for 90 minutes worth of content, but um, yeah. Well, that was my next question. It's like, if, um, it could be a feature film, I'm assuming too, right? It's it's up to the powers that be, but I mean, if it was up to us, yeah. <laughs> yes, you that would be great. You don't see the, the budget, but do they give you enough money to do what you wanted to do? Because this is a pretty, like, I know, like, I can, like, break it down scene to scene and, like, figure out what you guys did but this is a pretty high production value like you did a lot of cool tricks obviously some special effects so were you guys limited with like uh worried about the money or did you guys was that okay for you i think in every project i've ever done my eyes are bigger than my stomach so if someone gives Mm -hmm. me money whether it's like you have five thousand dollars to make a short film or you have a quarter million dollars to make something or you have this i am always going to do more than what i have (laughs) And with this one, I think everyone was just so excited that I think everyone put in their all, but, you know, everyone got paid. It was totally, you know, um, it, yeah, it was a, it was a paid gig for everyone involved and it wasn't a work for free, scrappy sort of thing. Um, But of course, you know, every once in a while, was it like, 
we really want to have this gun modified like this and how much time do we have to build it and like how much time do you need and they're like a week and we're like what if you have this many days they're like well we'll try so it was you know there was definitely some crunch um just especially because of the timeline we were on but uh you know it wasn't it wasn't like a super indie we've been building this in our garage for the last six months and now we're ready yeah. to go sort of deal we were able to hire seasoned professional commercial yeah. production folks. Like it was a, it was an A-list team that came out and did the work. And um, these are all everybody based in Seattle? Except Leah. Okay. Yeah, the main actor. Yeah. I think Leah's might've been the only out of town yeah. uh, crew member or cast slash yeah, crew. Yeah. So They're speaking good. of Leah, where did you, where did, cause she's obviously fantastic. Like nice, nice close up. She really exposes a lot of uh, kind of emotion and it, she tells a lot of the story without really saying anything too, right? So where did you find her? Uh, so Leah, who's um, non-binary, by the way, so they, them. Um, we found them through a casting Sorry, agent. Hey, no worries. Just, uh, <laughs> we found them through a casting agent. We uh, So it was, a, it was a very traditional, like I wish I had a cooler story, but it was a very traditional, like we cast. And because it's post-pandemic, we cast over Zoom and got to cast over a, through a lot of states. Um, throughout the U.S. and Leah was just this really unique blend of like just presence and vibe in a way that was going to be able to hold the camera in a really cool way. Um, and, energy, and it's funny. The audition, and the audition tape was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I know. Well, it was just well, and it's funny because we had like in our minds we're like, OK, this could be an episodic. So we're going to audition for perhaps future episodes. But we also have to audition for can you do a lot of like physical stunts? Can you just do small actions and like hold a frame? So the, the instructions for the audition were really wild. It was like, you know, pretend you're holding a gun, do some rolls in your living room. We need to see you like run, jump, but also deliver this monologue. And of course, they never say like a word throughout <laughs> yeah not one one word in the entire script so i know it's so funny going through the monologues and i'm like man i like this is for the future but everyone you know they killed it she's great at the physical okay like th did she drive the motor uh, sorry did they drive the motorcycle themselves no. they did for one of the shots and then we had a stunt person for yeah. the other shot on kind of like the muddier crazy road where we were having them rip through my my kid's mountain bike teacher did this this stuff right. Yeah. <laughs> and then they. It's great they, when you have helmets, like full, like all right, gloves, helmets, like yeah. could be anyone. Yeah, you could have said Tony out it, there. It, well, it looks like them, right? So, but at the same time, did they? Uh, did you have to teach teach them how to uh, sew, or did they already know how to sew? Um, we faked the sewing for sure, but we did go through like a gun training course. So we. Uh, uh, neon machine provided someone who kind of went through like gun safety training even though we never had like a fireable you know weapon on set it was more like trying to get it so that like when someone holds a gun and they've never held a gun before you can kind of tell it's like smoking in a sense if you know, someone never smoked you can tell too yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. like a lot of less people smoke now and you see smoking in movies and you're like yeah. this person has never smoked <laughs> yeah. before um so we did that with weapons training and then we did do a little bit of motorcycle training um on the e-bike uh just to kind of because the one shot was like all right you got to take off and then you go off screen so it was like learning to start it without doing the like weird awkward is this bike mm -hmm. on and shuffle at the beginning of it and it was a prototype bike too like yeah there was, there was no instruction manual it was a custom-made job that we found on the internet and uh, which is like most electric yeah. motorcycles at this point yeah, yeah. 
our 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 second AD also is isn't Nick ex Special Forces? Mm-hmm. I believe yeah. So our our yeah. second AD is ex military weapons specialist. He's kind of the go to in town if you're going to have weapons on set, and and he's just the calmest, kindest, firmest uh, person you mm-hmm. could ever want to have be in charge of firearms even if they're non-operational because the thing is like um it's if you have like for example if you have a modified ar-15 on set but you've removed all firing mechanisms everybody it cannot fire a bullet it's a club but it looks like a gun because it is a gun and people who aren't gun people get very nervous around guns like that so especially these days right like because it was a big story last year yeah. yeah, there's and, a story every year. Yeah, <laughs> no, but with the Alec Baldwin, it was like a huge kind of like. Oh yeah, post. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was big. And 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 the thing is, like that doesn't that kind of stuff doesn't need to happen, right? Like you, you just you just you know, I was I was raised uh, around guns in the summertime, but not in the wintertime. Like when I was in Idaho with my aunts and uncles. Yeah, you know, I would I would shoot guns, and then I was back in the city. It was like guns are verboten. So I've been on both sides of that thing, and just if you don't, if you're not raised with them, you're going to get nervous around them. So you got to have the right person there who can assure everybody, because then someone who's probably never fired a gun before. I don't know if Leah has or not, but I got the impression that they had never. had. Okay. Um, Yeah, they gone. They gone to the range. I think. You know, it becomes a prop, just like a, you know, if you're an actor driving a race car and you've never driven a race car before as an actor if you give them the right tools suddenly they become a race car driver if yeah. you give an actor the right tools which would be someone like nick uh suddenly they're a sniper right like i mean that's it's it's the same thing cars kill more people on sets than guns do every year you know yeah, easier said than done like i've never I'm, more people, right? i've never touched a gun never fired a gun in my life and it's not part of our identity but it's like but all i know is that leah was a badass when she when they when sorry when they uh took the gun and basically started firing that's all i know it's like it was that for the for the scene and for the moment it was it worked right because mm-hmm. it's like i've watched yeah. it a few times and they were they were complete badass that has a lot to do with the chemistry that Lael and Leah had, in my opinion. Like there was a really good relationship, and watching them work was fantastic. Just a really solid performance because obviously they're not acting with anybody else, right? They're not saying anything. It's just they're reacting. They're they're like even even the way it's set up, it's like because the audience is immediately going to root for them because you've established that this person's being hunted, right? In the in the opening shot, so. The audience is going to emotionally involve themselves with them, but we don't know if they're bad, good. We don't know anything, right? And so it's oh. it's up in the air, but it's still we're still rooting for them to kill the people that are chasing after them, right? Well, it's very. Oh, it's interesting. Did you have an approach to that, Leo? Uh, to essentially get people to relate with a character who's deeply ambiguous and never says anything. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just good well, directing, think- right? I mean, it's the directing, it's the writing. I think um, part of it is Tony wrote in some like really sweet little details because you can see someone do something horrifying or you can do see someone do something kind of ambiguous and um, still like see the humanity in them. So like, for example, when they're setting up that sniper shot to take out one of that one of the men on that team or that whole team, um, there's a moment when they like take out a little bit of snacks <laughs> and then they eat a snack in the middle of it. And like, mm-hmm. that's, 
it's just little nods to be like, look, this isn't a sociopath. And just like, it's those little things where you're like, oh, I, I too eat snacks. I don't know. It's very like, it's, it's, you know, it's our little animal processing <laughs> brains, but those things really do help in humanizing characters. Um, like just watching them eat ramen and like repair a jacket, I think goes a really, really long way. Um, and yeah, we played it very, very every day. Like we don't have someone who's like, I'm the toughest man in the world and I go home yeah. and I like lift weights and I'm, you know, we played it very like, <laughs> this is a, this is someone yeah. who's bored. <laughs> like they're, they're bored in their RV. They're kind of doing a job. I um, mean, you don't know why, but I think all of those things kind of work together. Uh, yeah. And as long as you don't have the actor playing as though they're putting on a show for anyone because they're so deeply alone, which is also something that I think helps you connect mm. to the character because that's everyone's greatest fear, right? So you're seeing someone coping with this. Uh, yeah, I think all of that combined helps to make a compelling character, even though we don't know their name or anything about them, you know? And in terms of, but you're also setting up the mood and tone and like where we are, because we know that yeah. we're not... We're in we're in the we're in Earth, but we we're in some sort of different Earth, I guess. And so, but you're also giving us some special effects. But you're, I'm because even the shot in the beginning, where like in the daylight, the first daylight shot, where she's somewhere in some sort of a warehouse setting, or it's like I'm I'm assuming that exists. You just shot and you kind of like either dressed something up or didn't, and then and like because you're so you're taking the world that we're living now, wherever you're shooting. I'm assuming in Seattle. Then you're mm -hmm. using the special effects with the motorcycle shot and then the, the forest. And it's like you're kind of playing with like these all these different kind of set decoration pieces, I guess. Right. The real world and not the real world. And it all kind of works out in the end. It's not really a question I'm asking. I'm just making a statement about your film. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just our world, but a, a little different, a little, yeah, future, a little, a little more yeah. dystopian. Yeah. Well, and it's, it has the same effect as um, which is why a speculative uh, speculative fiction or dystopian near future is one of my favorite uh, genre genres. Um, like I'm watching Sweet Tooth right now and totally loving it. Right. You know, it's, it's this, it's this almost like everything in it is relatable, right? Like the, that is our skyline, but it's not our skyline. The moon is hanging uncomfortably low in our skyline, but it's our skyline. Mm -hmm. It's a pawn shop or a ATM or a, whatever's going on in that alleyway we can see ourselves in it but we've just shifted it you just take it enough degrees like for example had there been a hovercraft going through the background it would have distanced us from that story much further like we yeah. put as much of the world in as we could uh with scale and little plot points and beats like eating snacks or, or a sewing machine you know or or, or some weird rv that could be 60 years old or 60 years in the future right like it was um well and through sound design too like if you'll notice we took out all of the like uh combustion car noises and we put in all electric car noises because we're like all right in the future the planet's not on fire we figured some stuff out we imagine combustion engines aren't around anymore so you would assume yeah yeah we you know if we've made it this far yeah. <laughs> i don't think anyone's driving you know the Ford F-150 uh, non-modded anymore. So yeah. um, so sound design was big. And I think Matt Acosta is our production designer and he did a really good job of taking yeah. uh, items in the real world. And I think the RV was a huge one of this that 
felt off from your normal everyday item already and then kind of upgraded it to feel like it was worn down or had been modified or was altered by some future technology. So there was just a lot of like, what do we have? And, you know, I think that's a budget thing, but I think it's also just like a huge world building thing. It's like, like what do we already have and how can we adjust it slightly? Little things that no one will pick up on unless they watch it two or three times, right. like conscious noodle, right? So right. Conscious, conscious noodle is fake meat ramen lab grown beef i think is the like it's like humanely lab grown beef or something i think is the tight like on the ramen cup is like the little brand and it makes it it makes an appearance three times this is a film that it's meant to be watched a few times like it's meant to be seen a few times because there's so much texture in it so in terms of you talk you just referenced your 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 sound designers which is the sound design is amazing your production designer so what about your cinematographer did you guys storyboard everything like what was your process and making so everything was storyboard yes oh yeah 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 so jacob rosen is a cinematographer he did amazing he's someone who works really well with natural light but also if you give him a full grip truck will go crazy um so it worked really well so we were like we have this you know in the sniper sequence we were inside for like the first time and it's like he's got the full grip truck and he was like i'm just gonna put up two like black <laughs> Yeah. what are they called black flags i think that's it you know so he kind of yeah he did so well with this and the tone and the color like shooting for the amazing amount of rain that we had um but yeah uh, carl nelson did all the storyboards and we yeah we boarded every shot um and part of that is when you're working with effects and like really specific props like we were doing is everything on screen has to be built or planned for beforehand. If you turn the camera, like your location might not work anymore because there's a billboard that's like for Apple or so, you know, it's like we were, we were avoiding because we were shooting in the real locations. We were avoiding yeah. and focusing in on so much to kind of do like a quote unquote period piece um, that everything was just like very meticulously planned before we went out. I think the only major change we made is that, when Leah hears the radio uh, and starts going on their mission, um, it was supposed to be an outdoor scene. And then it rained. It, we got a record amount of rain. It was raining so much. We're like, they wouldn't be outside. Why the hell would they be outside? And we had to like shift it later in the day and restage it to be inside. But I think that's like the biggest change we made on the day. And so in terms of movement, like like lots of depth of field, lots of long shots. You're showing a lot of stuff, but you're, you're really not moving the camera that much. Only in those long depth, like like high depth of field shots is when you're kind of pushing in a little bit, but mm -hmm. it's really, you kind of let the performance and the setting be itself. You didn't, you weren't like, you didn't get too busy with the camera movement, which is works for the tone of the film. Well, the character is very methodical, right? Yeah. So if you're going to, if you're going to be in their world, it's all very like, we're going to methodically do this. Now we're methodically doing this. There's, they're very rarely out of control in their surroundings because they are so like, you know, meticulous. Um, I think the only time when handheld was with the operators, right? Uh, only oh, no, the rooftop time, scene too. The rooftop and the ATM when when they're essentially outside of their comfort zone, they had to yeah. go into the city to do something. Is the only time we're handheld, and the rest of it, it's like when we're in the home, it's calm, it's quiet. Um, and the only time we really hit movement, like dollies or anything, like we laid down dolly track, is when they start going hunting. Um which felt appropriate. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's fantastic. Yeah. So you, you're, you're, this is, what did the, the people think about this film when they first watched it? 
like you worked your butt off, butt off got a great crew, got this flew in this actress or flew in this actor. And then, and then you, 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 there was a day you had to show them the film, the final product. What was the reaction? Here's the deal. We haven't had a full, like in theater screening. Like I have not actually gotten to sit down and watch. I think the reaction has been very good. Um, I know Neon's really excited. Everyone who's yeah. a part of it was stoked. Um, I've gotten a lot of great feedback from people who've seen it online. Um, but I am excited to actually watch it with people. Like it's very much a movie that was made to nope. be watched. I know, on but YouTube, I meant, I meant the, the, but... the, the executive producers, the the financiers. What do they think about the oh. film? Oh, they love it. <laughs> they love it. Yeah, it was interesting because we finished it a while ago, just under yeah. just under the wire for like bringing it out to to film festivals and how anybody on that side felt about it depended on what eyes they were looking at it with right because it was it was for all intents and purposes it was built as a marketing tool so when yeah. they looked at it as a film everybody fell in love with it as a film and then they're like how do we use this as a marketing tool and at the beginning of a transmedia experience like like shrapnel where you have films and you have graphic novels and you have the video game that's trying to get uh you know economic input from future users there's like the stackability of the marketing plan i mean i don't envy our buddy mark over there mark yen who's the head of community building and marketing he's he's got a huge task in front of him and what was really great about uh our film is that it sat on the shelf until it found the place it needed to be in their game cycle. So it was months where they didn't know what to do with it. I mean, sometimes we were worried no one is ever going to see the, the, the cut. Yeah. Finally, the window opened, like where, where it made sense for them to introduce that part of the world, of their transmedia world um, to their audience. And so... So we became part of the canon of of the shrapnel world at exactly the right time. We're now off to film festivals with the film and the, the response from their fans has been perfect, like exactly what we would want, right? Yeah. And so as soon as their future customers are like, this is fucking great, then of course everybody looks at it as something amazing from all different points of view. Everybody loved it as a film, it took some time, I think, to find its place in the marketing. Okay. Things. Yeah. yeah, I was I the, I think my nervousness came from when we made this, the game was really being developed. And so, like, I remember the day when we got the call that was like, all right, some things have changed on our end. The moon has crashed into the earth. And we're like, all right, let's plan for that. No, no, a meteor, a meteor crashed into the moon. Okay. A meteor crashed into the moon. Listen, <laughs> I don't know. It's been a minute. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, so when it was kind of sitting on the shelf for a minute, and you know, we were in really heavy communication when we were in pre-production, but then it was like, all right, they're they're doing their marketing thing, that's fantastic. But I was like, oh god, has the game changed so much that the film doesn't match the game anymore? I think was my my oh, fear of like, oh, this might not this might not go anywhere. Um, but it's, it's gonna still sit on the shelf, which is because right? so they're not going to allow you. You're worried they're not going to allow you to show the film. Right, because they kind of own the. They, I'm assuming they own the film, so yeah, they don't want to show it. They don't have to show it, I guess. Right. I don't think we were ever terribly worried of not being about not being able to show the film. It's just a matter of whether or not it was going to. I think what happened is they dialed in the world 
at the same time we were finishing up the film it was very mm -hmm. and then over the as the months went on and their world grew and grew to comfortably encompass the corner that leah sits in in the film mm -hmm. theoretically that was always going to happen everybody believed it was going to but once their narrative in all of the other aspects of their out, uh, outgoing communications did finally reach that point where um, our film could sit in the world, then it was enthusiastically embraced, which I think we kind of expected. But, you know, once you did, film, yeah. like, it's like, oh, man, I really love to have a cast and crew screening or. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which we saw. Well, for, for someone who sits on my perch and watches a lot of films and, and does and doesn't do festivals for a while, this is a no brainer acceptance to, to any festival that you submit to like in terms of tone directing like everything's there all the elements are there it's not just a genre festival not just fantasy or, or action or sci-fi it's it's a film it's a drama film so i have a feeling you guys will do whatever film festival you want you'll you'll basically be okay you'll you'll get accepted to it so it's a really nicely put together film so congratulations thank, thank you very much and I'm not just saying that. I don't think I've ever said that in the podcast before. So, <laughs> so what did you guys think about Woo! our audience? We sent the audience to you. What did you think about what they had to say about your film? That was so sweet. It was so sweet to see everyone's reaction. And it's always fun to see people's reactions with like, because they're not the game audience either. Like they have no idea what this yeah. is based on. They yeah, aren't yeah, seeped in any of the information. And everyone seems uh, to understand the parts that we wanted everyone to understand like it was just kind of like the human story and everyone was following it and people were stoked about the tone and the rain and it was like great that's the part i've been that's the part i've been really excited about is to find out what film buffs think of the film right like yeah. um it was a breath of of relief when the gamers liked it because i know they're a tough nut to crack, but also true. Um, indie film folks also a tough nut to crack. So I'm kind of yeah. <laughs> typical kind of... audiences, though, right? Like, yeah, yeah. 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 Just get the. I guess you just have to get the the wrestling fans and uh, who else is pretty fickle. I guess all the comic book fans, but I guess they're in the same kind of world. I guess right? they yeah. are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because those are yeah they can get they can get very pretty tough. But yeah, this is like I said, this is I, there's really not not much to say about your film. Like it's it's fantastic and. Uh, looking out for the your lead actor as well like they're they're i don't know what they're doing now but they're they're an actor on the rise as well so oh yeah but yeah just really nicely directed film i hope you got more opportunities i know you guys are doing the production uh company and you're doing other things but i see definitely see some feature films in front of you for sure i think you're you're probably even ready now to do it so uh Thank so you. I'll keep an eye on you so let's talk hopefully we'll talk again when you make your next film or when you guys need to promote something but I wish you the ultimate best with this film. And I'm glad that they liked your film. The, the, the powers that beat loved your film. And I think it's a great story that they, they, they reached out to you. And I'm sure that because of this, you're going to get other jobs as well because of it as well. So yeah. Thanks, yeah, man. Let's, hope. let's hope. Well, yeah. Watch, watch like it's <laughs> February, 2023. Uh, I think your world will change a little bit by the end of the year. So. Excellent. Yeah. Cool, cool. I'm not just an idealist too. So. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you so much for the chat, right. and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank All you right, so thank much. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Shlemiel. Shlemazel.